And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, hello, friends, and welcome into Rates in Barrels. I am Chris Welsh. That is Eno Saris. There is no DVR. DVR will return soon. When will now be then, Eno? Tomorrow. Soon. Soon. Remember the space balls? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when will that be then? Soon. Uh, yes, uh, DVR will be back here very shortly. But today you have Welsh and Eno, and we have actually got a little bit of a pseudo project prospect, if you will, on this Monday edition. If we're going to be focusing on a lot of the latest news and stuff like that, well, there's a ton of prospect stuff going on. There's debuts, there's re debuts, there's call ups. And we are going to be discussing all of that here shortly. Do want to remind everybody, if you guys want to make sure you have access to everything The Athletic has to offer, like all of Eno's great articles and more, go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. You can sign up today. A couple bucks will get you locked in. You can download the app and you will be raring to go. So why would you not go do that? Uh, probably the most, it's hilariously enough, you know, the most anticipated call up simply because we have been waiting and waiting and waiting. I've been a pretty big, loud, uh, you know, I don't know, screamer of this guy for like two months because I thought he was going to be one of the first call-ups in all of the crazy rookie mess. So I think that's what's made it so intense. It's finally happening. Christian Encarnacion Strand with the Reds officially called up. So kind of post-All-Star break, all the things are happening. Lots of prospects we'll probably talk about tomorrow moving up levels and then you're also getting you know over the weekend we had the A's guys come up but CES Christian Encarnacion Strand officially being called up and there are a billion questions we're going to be going through as far as where does he play how does that affect the team I know everyone's going to want to know that but Strand 20 homers in AAA he did it in 67 games 65 runs and 62 RBI in 67 games he hit 331 had an under 22% K percentage and a double digit walk percentage those are all the things that he did while in AAA so it's highly anticipated. So, you know, what are your thoughts on getting Strand up here? And do you think he's going to be able to... I think there's a little bit of extra hype that's been added to him that's going to always be hard to live up with some of these prospects. But what's your anticipation of what we're going to see out of Strand uh, coming up here in his debut? I think uh, one thing that's interesting is that um, there is a flaw here, I think. And I wanted to ask you about this in terms of how many at-bats of his you've watched. Um, because Keith Law mentioned this in his write-up uh, on the uh, athletic of, of, the, of the news. Um, I don't know where he got this number, but he said he had like a 40% uh, chase rate. So I'm wondering if that was something you noticed that he, uh, is, that he really expands his own. Yeah, I, that's that's been a pretty well known thing where people dismiss the strikeout rate because of the chase rate. That's been something that's followed him. I mean, this is a big, 
power so they think swinger. He's strike out on the upper end of that. Of the- yeah, mo- most people, especially that have some of those numbers, that can look at the. Ch- I don't have the chase rate number in front of me. That can look at that. And go well. You know, I don't think there is a big path where he's not going to be close to a thirty percent strikeout guy. Though the only time he's ever struck out above twenty five percent was his very first year in Minnesota at A ball, where he was a twenty eight point three percent guy. He's also kind of improved. The thing I've been encouraged about is he's improved the walk rate, which he did this year. First time in double digits at 10%, the lowest of his strikeout rate at 21%. And maybe if you want to argue it, I tend to like be hyper-focused on double A numbers a lot because I think there's a huge transitional change from like high A to double A. And in double A, it wasn't the best. It was actually his lowest walk percentage and a 25% K percentage, but that's still not the worst on the planet. So I think the chase rate is going to equate to quality of contact with him and people assuming there's going to be a much bigger strikeouts, which I would say it's definitely a possibility, but I think that's maybe dismissing if the decisions, which have obviously been showing in AAA, if that like pitch recognition and those decisions mm-hmm. are on par, he's going to make huge, huge quality of contact. So you're saying the chase rate is the flaw that you are really worried about. Well, you know, there's an interesting parallel here to the uh, the A's the A's prospects that came up, Zach Geloff and uh, Tyler Soderstrom, um, and uh, Chris Ancarnacion Strand. They all have swing strike rates around 15. percent And I quick did a quick pull up of a, a leaderboard. Um, and found that uh, the average strikeout rate for a person with a 15% or higher swing strike rate is 28%. So I do tend to think that all three of these guys will strike out uh, 27%, 28% of the time at least. Um, with uh, some particulars, we can talk about the ace guys later, but in, in Strand's case, I do kind of think he's going to strike out around 28% of the time when you combine those swing strike rates with this knowledge of his chase rate. Um, if you want to get some uh, comparables, uh, there are 13 players with a higher than 40% chase rate uh, that are qualified for the batting title. Uh, Javier Baez is the patron saint of chase rate. Um, and uh, Salvador Perez as well. Uh, but Eddie Rosario uh, has had a, a pretty long career without that bad of a strikeout rate um, with that same sort of uh, chase rate. Mauricio Dubon is this kind of player. Ahmed Rosario, Josh Naylor, Luis Robert, uh, Ezekiel Tovar, Nick Castellanos, Andres Jimenez, Tyra Estrada, CJ Abrams, and Bo Bichette. They're, they're, these players are all pretty good. Like, And they're not all bad strikeout rates. I would say that you know, they don't have good walk rates. So they, you know, the, the average OBP on this list is probably you know, below 300, just eyeballing it. Um, and that does have meaning for, you know, how much they're going to play. Like half of these players are below league average in terms of WRC plus. Right. And, you know, if they didn't, if Javier Baez didn't have a great glove, um, you know, he wouldn't be playing anymore. So, uh, you know, a lot of these players play premium positions or have a great hit tool, you know? So Josh Naylor does not play a premium position, but he strikes out 16% of the time because he's a great hit tool. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he chases, but he can hit it. I wouldn't sign Josh Naylor uh, to that free agent deal if he wants, you know, six, seven, eight years after he leaves Cleveland. You know what I mean? Um, it's a little bit too much like a Pablo Sandoval type um, um, uh, package, you know? 
And so, uh, you know, I think it chase rate is meaningful. It doesn't mean that Christian Encarnacion Strand is a going to strike out a lot by itself, or b that he's going to be bad uh, in in the short run. You know, as much as I love chase rate, he, you know, he could still be Christian Encarnacion Strand could still be really good when he hits the the, the ground with a bad chase rate. There yeah, are other the, players on this list that are are good players. The thing that's interesting is I do think there's unfair expectations just in general with rookies. A rookie comes mm -hmm. up this year and everyone's like, oh my God, drop on the fab, get the player. Should I start him over? The, you know, and it's like immediate, everybody assumes every rookie that comes up is an immediate 12 team starting. Should I drop first Josh Naylor for Christian Arcos exactly. and Strand? You're like, no. <laughs> and, you, and you should be a little timid about it. And CES has been so built up that... You know, I do think if the strike, and I think there's a, a strikeout potential there. I really do. I thought the same thing with Ellie De La Cruz. Maybe ballpark factors in Cincinnati help a little bit. An interesting note on those three players that, you know, with the the two A's guys, Galoff and Soderstrom and Strand, is there are a lot of similarities, not just in the whiff rate. They all showed up pretty decently in the hard hit strength on Rotowire. If you look at the batted ball data, they're all over 35%. Galoff being, I think, the most. Number I think Soderstrom guy. was 35 uh, Strand was around 36 and uh, Soderstrom or Galoff, Galoff was, was 39. 39. And and, th and 39 yeah. gives him, I think, you know, sort of eyeballing it because Rollerwire doesn't have uh, the numbers on it, but uh, sort of eyeballing it, I would guess sort of top 25, top 30 in the minors. Yeah, uh, so they all under, hit the ball really hard. But here's the difference. Appearances, yeah. Here, here's your difference when you're looking at it. Strand of these guys exponentially lower ground ball rate than either one of them. Mm. Both of those guys, higher, much higher ground ball rates. Strand had a 35%, 36, around up, 36% ground ball rate in AAA. In fact, has never had a 40% or higher ground ball percentage in the minor leagues ever. Line drive rate, up has a harder pull rate, a better pull rate than either one of these players. Soderstrom's was under 40 Galoff is around 42, 47% pull rate. So pulling the ball while also not getting it on the ground. And then what's I the mean, other he's thing? He's a definite pull fly ball guy. I mean, he's he's a product of of Christian uh, Acarnasion Strand is like a wet dream for a lot of hitting coaches in terms of like, you know, hits the ball hard, gets the ball out in front, you know, pulls the ball. But it also has some ramifications for a strikeout rate. Yeah, I, I hope they refer to him as that too. I hope that's. <laughs> I hope that's a nickname. But the other thing is, is like there's the worry, and you can bunch them all together. The thing that I go back and side on with is also look at the results. The guy has hit under 300 at one stop and in the minors his entire way. And it was 296. <laughs> He's hitting 331 this year. He's improved the walk percentage. The you power know numbers the are there. Off of this a little bit. Like what? a more powerful Nick Castellanos? Ooh, yeah. I mean, he's like a little bit of a bigger guy. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Just, from... I'm saying statistically. Because yeah. Nick Castellanos was on my uh, chase rate list. Um, and uh, he's always... Castellanos has always had better strikeout rates than you'd expect, given his plate skills. Like, he chases everything. He misses a lot. And yet, he you know still manages to strike out less than 30% of the time. And, and what also does he have? 
streaks. He's got these bad, and I think yeah. that could be Strand. You could have a bad month where everyone's like, do we cut him? Do we get rid of him? And then all of a sudden, he's one of the best players. I think that's in Strand's game, and I think that's something that maybe you could take to him is understanding there might be some streaky play in here because there is swing and miss. He does have a higher whiff yeah, rate. When he's like off, he's he off. Hits about running, right? Yeah, but maybe. when he does. The ground ball rates Hits in his favor, line drive, like fly ball, pull. And... Exactly. That's yeah. the type, And that's what you should get yourself in for when you're thinking about him. So obviously a bigger bet that, you know, Soderstrom had much worse ground ball rates and stuff like that. The So what I'm getting at is, yes, the whiff rate is um, telling a bigger story than the K rate, but also the quality of contact, I think, isn't being given enough credit because of that. And, and it, there's and a better Soda quality Strum of contact. And with Soderstrom and there is a there is a little bit of a whiff of uh, of ground ball risk. Um, a little bit more with Soderstrom than Geloff, I think. Now uh, the other big question. Like he's trying to trying to lift it, but um, and I think that happened from the AFL. By the way, that was an AFL change. You started seeing him really try to like launch angle the ball. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's impossibly small, uh, results, but we do have some results for Galoff and Soderstrom and you might be tempted to say, well, they're not, they didn't strike out that much in their debuts. Uh, they did whiff a lot, 18%, uh, for Geloff and, uh, 17% whiff rate for Soderstrom. So I do expect, I actually expect both of those guys to strike out 30% of the time. So the K's are coming. So here's the other big question with Strand, and this is the one that I've seen a whole bunch oh, of, yeah. is where does he play and how does this shake out? Because I've had some other questions that have been underlined with it. What about Spencer Steer? What about Nick Senzel? They have a glut of riches. So uh, let's talk about this. You know, how do you think this shakes out? And I think some of this has already been spelled out to us over on The Athletic of how are these guys going to mix and match and work? Yeah, the quote from Christian uh, from uh, C. Trent Rosecrans uh, about Christian Encarnacion Strand. Whew. Um, <laughs> Say that <laughs> was, one more time. Yeah. <laughs> With the Reds, CES will likely play both corner infield spots and DH. He'll play third when Jonathan India is the team's DH with Dela Cruz at shortstop and McLean at second. And he'll play first when Votto is the DH and De La Cruz plays third, and McLean plays second. You may have noticed there is not one mention of a really good player that used to play on the infield. Spencer Steer. Where are you? Where in the world is Spencer, is Spencer Steer? He's an outfielder now. So uh, there is a, a bit of a logjam. Uh, I think we decided there's just one clear loser. Um, yeah. Nick Senzel is on the short side of the stick here. He is a right-hander with an 83 WRC plus that was filling in ably, but uh, they've. I think there's little reason to play Senzel except in a platoon with Benson. Now that's fine. Will Benson and Nick Senzel would be a pretty good platoon, I think. Um, you know, Benson is awful against left-handers so far, uh, and uh, he hasn't even been playing them much, so. You just put in uh, Benson and Senzel. That's a corner outfield spot. Nice. You got a corner outfield spot. Now you have Steer, Friedel, and Fraley for two spots. So Senzel's a big loser. And Spear, Steer, uh, Friedel, and Fraley are all little losers. 
right? Little tiny losers. Well, and that's and <laughs> like, that's the theory. And they that, lose that's a little a, bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard thing tiny about little this. Losers. <laughs> little baby losers. Little baby losers. <laughs> the the goofy thing is when I immediately saw this, um, because roster resources confirmed they have Spencer Steers as a starting left fielder, and they have Benson and right. Take that for whatever it is, by the way. And Friedel in center, and then Fraley as a DH. But we know that's not going to happen based on what we've just heard. The DH for this team looks like it is going to be Votto and Jonathan India moving forward. And Friedel and Fraley are lefties. I don't think Steer is sliding into like a righty platoon with one of them. I don't think, see, they have so many lefties and they're kind of like the Dimeback situation. But you look at that, I have a hard time believing that Friedel and Fraley move into big platoon. So this is why when I stared at this, I immediately assumed Fraley and Friedel play every day. Uh, Steer is a theoretical everyday guy and Benson moves around and then that leaves Nick Senzel. So Benson and Senzel are both bench pieces. Your outfield is Friedel Fraley steer. I think so, so with Benson, Benson maybe getting the big loser. Yeah. Maybe getting it bats moving around. Now I say all of that and this might, and here's the worst case. And this is what you were building up. This might just be, a five-piece mix and match where everybody could lose a little bit. There might not They're be one all guy. Tiny that is. little losers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a group of baby losers. Yeah, it's this seven. Yeah, the the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean, losers. that's that's what. Um, that's what I mean. Honestly, it's what good teams do, and and we and it frustrates us as fancy players, right? Like good teams do this. They keep their guys fresh. They. Uh, have people play a lot of different positions so that and it, and, and some of it is loss prevention and in terms of like um if i get to the playoffs and um you know friedel gets hurt and i didn't play anybody else in center then i'm in the playoffs and i'm starting somebody in center for the first time looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, what yeah. you do instead is you start everyone everywhere. And if someone gets hurt, you're like, well, India's hurt, but McLean's been playing second all year. So, you know, as a uh, part time. So now he's just the, the, the second baseman. You know what I mean? And you end up screaming depth. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I assume Nixon Zell is the biggest guy on the outs of anybody here. I have a hard time believing with what Steer did this year that you're taking him out of the lineup on a right. semi-regular basis. Same thing with Fraley and Friedel. I think Benson would be better suited to be, like you said, the, the platoon against the righty. Bat. Yeah, yeah, lefty off the bench. And that, to me, maybe says Nick Sinzel is a trade piece for a team that might want to acquire other spots. He's still a little bit controllable. He could play third. He can play the outfield. Maybe he doesn't get a haul, but maybe he's a part of something bigger, except the problem could be they may scream depth and if someone got injured. But you've got multiple guys that could play third, multiple guys that could play outfield. I, think, yeah, I just I don't you, know if that's Fraley the case. can play an okay center. 
Yeah. Friedel can play center. Benson can play center. Steer's probably the only one that's not. You want to talk about the versatility of Sinzel at third? You got Steer. You've got Incarnation. Yeah, you You've got Ellie. Oh, you have, I think you have three people that can play every position uh, without Senzel. Yeah. So I think Senzel could be a trade option. And, you and, and I if were there anybody yelling at the, it, the, the, the radio right now, <laughs> you're listening radio. to us on a radio, on an old timey radio, uh, if you're yelling at the radio, um, I don't think either of us suggest, suggesting that Senzel would get a haul. However, this team would love a reliever. You know, and you think so. Uh, you know, we we built uh, we built a, a a bit of a thing here, a bit of a trade. One idea was to the Rockies uh, for Daniel Bard or something. Yeah, maybe Pierce Johnson Bard. I don't know. Either yeah. one of those guys have been. They, they uh, could be helpful. More Bard. And uh, and then you had a uh, maybe a, a slight upgrade from that was uh, a Royals trade. Yeah, the Royals for Scott Barlow. I mean, Barlow we know is on the uh, is on the market. I do think a lot of teams are going to be aggressive about it, but maybe the Reds can offer Sinzel and another piece, another minor league piece, to get what would be then a big one-two punch of Diaz and Barlow, and that might be what this team needs, especially because. You know, you got a lot of injury. I mean, they might prioritize starters, but because of the issues they've had with starters, you've got to have a more lockdown bullpen if you're going to have these young pitchers like Abbott and uh, Williamson pitching deep into games and you're contending. It's more important than anything else to have a more solid bullpen. So that's why yeah, I think and also, being I don't aggressive think with Senzel, Senzel is not, not necessarily moving the needle much for a starter unless you're talking about like a rental, um, a, a rental who's not a playoff starter. Right, yeah. and Senzel could was, be seen for the Royals as a starter. Yeah, yeah, right. But I, I, but he, but at eighty three WRC plus and all those injuries, you know, I don't think you're. I think I think it makes sense. He could be in a reliever trade. I think that could yeah. make sense. Uh, but yeah, so yeah in the, terms of a starter, you know, I, I think they should be. Uh, they should actually think more about shopping at the top of the market than the back of the market. Um, because you know somebody like Giolito or Cease. Uh, would just be so huge for this team. You know well, they I mean? have the pieces. They have the minor league pieces to do it if they wanted to. I mean, from they've got a glut of lower level, of really solid players, and um, they acquired Edwin Arroyo, Carlos Jorge, Cam Collier, who they just drafted. Some of those guys off to slower starts that they might be able to justify. And they've got some pitchers in Connor Phillips that looks really good. Uh, Joe Boyle out there. I'm forgetting Chase Petty. They have yeah. got the minor league pieces to be Boyle aggressive if they want to. Awful uh, walk rates, and um, I just know uh, Kyle Bodie actually mentioned uh, on Twitter that um, he has really, really good uh, stuff plus numbers. Boyle does, and so um, they may want to keep him. Um, he may still be a reliever, uh, but that might be. They may even just start using him as a reliever this year to because of the timeline is is so aggressive. You know what I mean? But also um, it could be why a team is aggressive in trying to target a guy like him if he pops up exactly, uh, on yeah. their stuff plus and why so, you might yeah. see him involved. I mean, I think he's a I think he's a name to to consider this year, either as a major league reliever or as a big part of the trade piece for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the 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 to you know put a finality on this is that there's a game plan for Strand to play every day. And I think that's been the big question. The other I think big question has been how does this affect steer? And I think we've kind of laid this out that I, I do think Steer as 
currently one of only two righties in a five outfield rotation. There's a decent chance he's going to be able to stick around in some capacity to continue to play. His versatility is good. That I think these are both pluses. Strand, we've laid it out that, you know, we know where he's going to play. You'll get the position eligibility. I think this is a good sign and watch for them to make moves um, because they got a lot to be able to uh, send out, whether it's minor league or even major league and guys like Benson and Sinzel if they decided to. The other big debut is a re-debut, and Grayson Rodriguez is going to be going today uh, as we're recording this. He's back up with the team, back up with the majors. A lot of people were kind of anticipating, you know, uh, cautiously optimistic that he was going to be able to come back up, and hopefully for good. I pulled up his last start, you know, and I think we maybe talked about this previously. I'm, I'm always interested in looking at the minor league starts like we did with Taj Bradley in the beginning of the year to see what have they been working on? What have they been changing? How are you getting these uh, these pitch percentages? Uh, I went in. This was our lovely baseball savant and going uh, in and you can pull up AAA numbers and you can pull up the game. So I went into the game log. <laughs> a very complicated. You got to go to game feed. Uh-huh. And then you've got to go to the date, and then you got to change MLB to MILB, and then you can get these. And uh-huh. what that ended up doing is I was able to pull up his last start. Now, Grayson only went three, just FYI. But on 7-9, we saw Grayson Rodriguez, two primary pitches, the cutter gone. The cutter essentially gone, which yeah. has been a big problem. He threw his fastball 40 percent of the time with a 30% swing and miss. So is he, was he up. like fastball changeup against lefties and fastball breaking ball against uh, fastball curveball against and, righties? And see, that's what I didn't see. You're pr- you probably yeah. nailed it. I think he threw three total cutters. Um, it was 38% changeup, which he had a 46% swing and miss. So overall, he had 31 swing and miss, 30 CSW. Uh, his velo was up and the cutter was out. The walks were still a little bit of a problem. So talk to us about your how you're viewing and anticipating Grayson Rodriguez back up, knowing that the cutter is kind of gone. Not quite a two-pitch pitcher, but a pretty primary two-pitch pitcher. And like you said, probably going to just take a different outlet versus, um, you know, maybe versus like righties. Yeah, I think uh, this is a decent time to uh, to acquire him. Uh, I I still am excited about his future, and uh, I don't I don't know. It, 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 w- it would have been better to acquire him like a week ago, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah. even his owner is probably excited that uh, you know that he's got him back on his team. But uh, though, let me throw this to you though, Dodgers. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit dangerous because we're doing this, and hopefully this episode will be up right as it goes, but you guys can kind of like wrap this around your head. He this is a get, pretty rough could, matchup. Yeah, he could get hurt today, yeah. He could, he could be a bad matchup. I was looking at, um, you know, not to jump ahead, but like, you know, I may not be a high man on Quinn Priester, uh, who's, who's coming up today and, and pitching today, but... He gets the Guardians in Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, sometimes that first matchup is is a big deal, um, and so yeah, this one is not a, a great matchup for Grayson. But I would like to see, you know, if I see, uh, you know, a, a, a nice amount of strikeouts and uh, fewer three or fewer walks, um, you know, I, I would love it to be just like two walks, and then. Yeah, he gives up a homer or two, and he still gives up four earned runs or something, or five earned runs. I still think that he's 
someone to acquire. And in fact, that might be a great time to acquire it. Was there, uh, I don't know if you've had it and I'm telling you on the spot, was there any recent Stuff Plus numbers on uh, his last couple starts? Because he's had obviously a couple starts in the minors. Um, Just curious at like how it's held up in general, because I do think there's a possibility, especially with if, if he has found a new comfortable spot in how he's pitching and maybe the cutter was inducing a lot more uh, balls. There's also this thing out on Twitter. Someone shared about how no catcher had more out of the zone strike calls than Adley Rutschman. So you go and look at like him, his comfortability level with Adley. Adley gets more called strikes that shouldn't be. And then maybe he's taking off a pitch that was inducing the most balls that if he is going to be primary fastball changeup and if the stuff is looking as good as ever, like I said, the velo numbers were up across the board uh, in the minors that it's not out of the realm of possibility that he actually slices and dices for a bit uh, against the Dodgers. Yeah, it's not. Um you know, I my last uh, update I'm looking at here is from late June, so um, I don't have the last couple of starts on here, um, and I will have that for you tomorrow from Project Prospect. But uh, perfect, yeah, we'll be able to break all that down for Project but, Prospect. Uh, we'll 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 have to do a check back in and see. I would love to just see what his process is without the cutter. I'd love to see how he attacks lefties. Um, you know, what I'd love to see where he's throwing the four seam and how much control he has over it. So those where are things do you... I'm watching. Okay, I'm going to actually jump ahead a little bit on the sheet because I had something a little bit later. And the only reason I did it was because I was looking at some 30-day markers um, on some players. And I was looking at K-minus walk percentage. Let me, Yeah, last 30 days. And two guys popped up, two rookies. They're actually right next to each other. And I was going to kind of pit these guys up. Where did they go? Um, they Who they were was Andrew Abbott and uh, Brian Wu. Those two just specifically... I've just been really good. Uh, obviously, you guys know that, but they've just been really good even over in some of the short term here. And let me see if I can find uh, where the hell they are, which I'm not seeing, of course. But my question would be Grayson, Abbott, Wu. How do you rank those? I mean, this is going to infuriate some people, but... Oh, let's go. <laughs> Still Grayson, Wu, Abbott. So Abbott being so that's why yeah the the Reds fans are well we just built the Reds fans up a whole bunch and <laughs> yeah. now you're gonna bring them back down okay I finally found it by the way so Abbott by the way a twenty seven point six percent K minus walk percentage which over the last thirty days of qualified pitchers that is the eighth best of all so yeah you are mm. gonna make them mad that is the eighth best K minus walk percentage of all qualified pitchers I just don't I don't I just don't get it the 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 fastball is exactly average in every way and that is not usually a good thing and I don't know why I can't find Wu anymore I had him on here but um and Ooh. Abbott by the way has the 10th best qualified K percentage over the last 30 days of 33.6 so there was a reason I put them together so you said Grayson Wu Abbott. Yeah, hold on. I'm uh now I'm curious Andrew to throw Abbott, like 79.7 fastball stuff plus. This is a new model, uh, a new um retrain of the model. Um that that I'm looking at some new numbers here and uh we put in platoon splits, so you know, he is a lefty and uh and so lefties in the past um you know the model hasn't really loved them. Uh, and that's unfair because uh, 
that doesn't make sense. So we put in uh, platoon splits, uh, and Andrew Abbott uh, has a sub-80 stuff plus on the fastball. And overall, he is has a 90 stuff plus. Mm. By the way, I found out why I couldn't find him because of qualified. So I changed my qualifications. Mm-hmm. Woo, in that same 30 days... So Abbott had a 33.6% K percentage, only a 6% walk percentage over the last 30. Wu, 26.1% K percentage, 8% walk percentage, which left him with an 18.2 K minus walk percentage. So um, I don't know. I mean, I know like you're, the thesis Wu's here for you is like so. Abbott's getting away with stuff. That's that. I mean, that's I've, I've seen, I don't know why, but I've seen people just take what is an average fastball middle middle from Andrew, Andrew Abbott. And I, I know like, yeah, maybe deception or something, but I don't see any deception. I was just about to say, is it like release point or I, when I watch it, it looks like a fairly normal release. I don't see anything that's like, that stands out about it. So woo, uh, I think it's really exciting because he has two really good fastballs and he's hiding the fact that he's throwing two sliders. Um, and so you may look at him and be like, oh, it's just fastball slider. Uh, it's more like two really distinct different fastballs that are both really good and two really distinct uh, breaking balls that I think are pretty good. Like I think the sweeper is very good and I think the gyro slider is, is decent. He has like he has, uh, So I think he has weapons against both sides, good velo, you know, really interesting release point. Uh, I'm all in for Wu. Yeah, you know, looking back on Abbott, interesting I thing. I could maybe push Wu ahead of Grayson, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, Grayson is, uh, he's struggling to put it together, you know. And if Wu he's seems, a primary two-pitch pitcher, too, maybe you don't love that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the the curveball, for some reason, has gone up and down and really fluctuated uh, in my stuff plus numbers in the minors. So if Grayson Rodriguez is actually a fastball changeup guy, um as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm, you know, that's not my favorite thing in, in today's. I love watching change-ups, uh, but betting on change-up guys is, is difficult and not something I would like to do a lot of. You know, looking at Abbott, too, it's got to be about like what's so weird to what you're saying is why the fastball is not happening is maybe it's about looking for the other pitches. But you would also think there's got to be a point where you sit on it because I'm looking here, you know, 10% usage plus actually 15% usage plus between changeup sweeper and curveball 18, 16, 15 curve sweeper. Still a lot usage. of fastballs. 50% fastballs is a lot in today's game. Yeah, well, but and look how like effective the, the much higher whiff rates on the curve sweeper and changeup particularly has a forty one point five percent whiff rate. They hit the curve hard. They're bad EVs against the sweeper and changeup. Eighty three average EV against a sweeper. Mm. Eighty six against a changeup. So they're just not able to do it. So there's it's kind of a like, you know, is the pitch mix causing the fastball to play up? But then also, are guys do guys not have a read on where he's throwing? any of these so the fastball is becoming more effective because you would think okay i'm going to sit off of breaking stuff more and i'm going to try to pound this fastball but guys i don't think if, if based on what you're saying maybe they just don't know when that fastball is truly coming and they don't have a good read on it uh but he does have about a full era uh expected above his current 246 era a 361 expected and then there's the projections Abbott. which run from 417 the steamer is the is the high man uh to a five era from the bat um, and I will point out that a 61% fly ball rate in Cincinnati seems like a, a bad idea. Yeah. So, uh, and then, and then the last thing is just, it's Cincinnati. Like Baltimore doesn't play like that. Seattle is the, like, I think right now the best pitcher park in the league, uh, in one year park factors. So, um, yeah, I'm going to push woo over Rodriguez. I'm going to go woo Rodriguez Abbott. It'd be an interesting poll to have out there of like who would people pick. I think it would look like Grayson Abbott Woo. I think Grayson would still take at the top, but mm, I don't uh, know. I think recency bias is strong. I think Grayson would be last. Really? You think so? I think I might have to tell DVR go Abbott Woo Grayson. DVR likes to put out those fun polls. Maybe I'll have him do that because I, I don't think Grayson well, it would be screwed up because of this start. Like he's top of mind. If he gets lit up by the Dodgers, but if we can get this out, maybe, maybe when we share it on on rates and barrels, we uh, on the I'll put a poll out under. Yeah, we'll put it out. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can put a poll under that. So that's interesting. Um, you kind of briefly touched on it. Let's talk about the debut. Quinn Priester, uh, the Pirates making. It's so funny these teams doing multiple prospects here. I've talked so much about how the back half of the season is the new prospect manipulation, but I've also said like. There's going to be these te these teams that just know these guys are coming up and they can't sit them the whole year. This makes the most sense. The guys that are fringy, I think like once you get like a month in, they're just going to wait till September. And Quinn Priester in 
uh, Andy Rodriguez both kind of were those players that, you know, they weren't going to have them sit anymore. You're not really manipulating them for next year. Uh, let's talk about Quinn Priester. I pulled up his last start in the minors, and it's pretty fascinating. I'm also not a big Quinn Priester guy. He was 52% sinker, and check this out. He had 24 swings on those sinkers, zero swing and misses on it, zero. <laughs> was it he a good had, start? Uh, you know what? It I think it was. Now that I'm, I, I should have actually pulled up the numbers. I was more focused on the the stuff. Seventeen uh, percent slider had a forty three percent swing and miss percentage. Eleven percent four seam, thirty three percent swing and miss, and then he threw his curveball ten percent of the time, zero swing and misses. So his sinker and curveball induced nothing. He ended up with a twenty three percent CSW percentage across the board, and this is kind of how he lives. And I don't, I, I, he just kind of hits the zone. I don't think the stuff is crazy deceptive. The slider was obviously effective, but they're bringing him up, and I, I'm just not like insanely encouraged about Quinn Priester. And it didn't sound like you were either. No, I mean, if if it does work out, uh, I would point to a, uh, you know, it's a Cleveland matchup in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, which is which favors him. Um, and then B, he does have a little bit of that mixes it up with OK command. Right. Um, you, but as you mentioned, in his most recent start, 52 percent sinker and then also fastballs on t- forcing fastballs on top of that. That sounds like he's at 60% fastball. This was, by the way, that start. Uh, this was from the sixth, by the way, because he had one on the 14th where he went one inning. I didn't pull that. He went seven and one third of an inning, two earned runs, five hits, no walks, three strikeouts. That yeah. was the start. I mean, he's keeping around the zone. He's trying to get ground balls. I mean, he could he do like a Bryce Elder thing, you know, where, you know, here's an interesting oh, thing that interesting. happened. Um, that happened that when I was looking at sliders and they're hitting sliders, the league is hitting sliders better than ever. The, uh, the OPS is the highest it's ever been on sliders. And um, the other thing that happened out of that piece was that the league is, is struggling a little bit against sinkers. Uh, sinkers on the other end have been a, a pitch that the league has gone away from. And, I think that maybe the pit hitters aren't seeing the sinker as often. And when they do see sinkers, they're better sinkers. Um, and so there's a, there's a chance that, you know, Bryce Elder and Quinn Priester come in here with these like decent sinkers and uh, know who they are. They just want to get ground balls and uh, they manage to be just throwbacks at a time when nobody, you know, no hitters are really uh, preparing for this kind of thing. Is the correlation, though, that the league is also throwing more sliders? Because Bryce Elder was a slider first guy. 100%. And, and then the, they're not throwing as many sinkers, and they're throwing more sliders is why we're seeing inflated yeah, numbers against. And, yeah, okay. that, that, was my, that was my theory in the end, was they're just, they're, the league is training them to be better at sliders by throwing more and more and more and more sliders. And then also, they're throwing sliders in hitters counts now, and hitters just do better in hitters counts, you know? So yeah. that means sliders in the zone on a, on a count where the hitter is uh, swinging and expecting now expecting sliders uh, sliders in hitters counts is up to 30%. So if you get a number at 30%, it means a third of the time I get a slider in this hitter count. Then you start having hitters anticipate sliders and hitter counts, you know, and that's, that's going to lead to, you know, them hitting them better. 
So that also maybe make it why poorish fastballs might be more effective when teams are looking for sliders, a la Abbott, you know? Like, there's uh, more players looking for sliders in those counts for guys that throw it, which makes, you know, lesser fastballs look a tad so bit more sneak, effective, especially with command. Past them, yeah. Especially when it's commanded. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it's if you have something there. You got an idea with like breaking sliders. If a guy is throwing a fastball in what they might assume is a slider count and it touches the edge and they're waiting for the pitch to break, you might have these average fastballs. If a guy can deceptive, if they can throw the slider and fastball from similar release points, I'm I'm assuming, I don't know if Abbott does that, but if Abbott were to do that and it have a similar look, guys might be waiting for the pitch to break outside of the zone. I think Abbott which might be making very tight release points. Oh really? Okay, so I mean, maybe that's kind of the maybe that's that could just be part throwing of around like a little bit of a logic. I've not heard it. that so, necessarily about Quinn Priester, but and, and the command doesn't look uh, to me like standout. Uh, yeah, he has two pitches above 100 location plus in the minors with pretty good sample on all these pitches. Um, so and the fastball command, you know, 97 on the on the four seam and uh, 98 on the sinker. It's it's okay. I don't know. He could be, I think to me, he's like a four or five and that that's it's in, in fantasy terms, that's uh screams streamer. So Big in this case, streamer. it'd be like, you know, it's Cleveland at home. Not a bad streaming spot. Yeah. I could, I could see it being effective. We've seen lots of these starting start pitchers. Of if he gets it. Uh, Ooh, I just went away from him. So that's a good question. I don't know. I'll have to look that up in a second. I, ju- I literally just went away from him uh, on, on Pittsburgh, but I agree. Like I'm looking for poor offenses if I'm doing it. And we've seen a lot of these guys be effective in those first starts where teams don't have like really great numbers the Pirates on them. Go to the angels over the weekend. That's not as good of a start. I would, no, be, I'm not. I'd be nervous of throwing Priester in and LA and and how much big uh, there's a lot more confidence if he has a good start people are gonna be like Ooh, although Priester, Anaheim right now is hurt right so mm, they still have they a don't have jury yeah they have a tie yeah you yeah, could still give up three runs just to Otani. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, don't forget Trey Cabbage too. Cabbage is up oh. there hitting, hitting stuff, so don't don't forget about. Does Cabbage, cabbage have good Cabbage? Uh, I don't know, but he has really good EVs, really yeah. good hit numbers, so that's what I know he's got. Uh, the other one, just real quick, Andy Rodriguez, who was, without a doubt, the, the guy over Henry Davis coming into the year, that has changed. He's had a pretty subpar statistical season, only six homers, four stolen bases, hitting 268. The strikeout numbers are under 15%, walk percentage over uh, 10%. It's actually at 11.4. He played first base in the Futures game. I don't know if he's playing as... That, that's the interesting thing, is the team wanted him to like be the catcher. He'll probably learn under Hedges. He might play some other spots for Hedges this team. Hedges is the best defensive uh statistical catcher this year hedges did this with san diego and when he was with them <laughs> yeah well i think the guy's a coach the guy's a coach i remember him when he was with san diego and they had like francisco mejia and he was like taking mejia under his wing i think it's like another same thing like andy rodriguez is coming here why the numbers for andy rodriguez weren't amazing in the minors too is what i'd heard is that the the real focus was to learn the position yeah, and I I've talked about that with like Carson Kelly used to be this hitting prospect, and then he said his two years of focus on being a better catcher really kind of decimated. I mean, that's not a good thing now, but it decimated his offensive production, and he had to build that back up. You might be seeing that with Indy also while playing some other positions. So I'm not aggressive on Indy. Um, I, like I think him, it's man. no. I, I mean, really I like him long love, term. I don't I know if love, I like him this year though. Like that uh, that BBK profile. 
Like 11, 15. Okay, Andy mm. or Zach Geloff, rest of year. Andy or uh, Andy or Geloff. No, we'll make it Soderstrom because it's catchers. Uh, okay, yeah, Andy or Soderstrom. Which one? Andy. Andy? I'm going Andy. Easy Andy? No, that's a tough one. And I do want to say that maybe I was a little hard on, on Jeloff and uh, Soderstrom before the weekend. And you can be mad at me if you missed out on him in five of blues, but so did I. Um, they do hit the ball hard. And maybe I'm focusing too much on the strikeout rate. But I just I just think that the batting average starts at the 220 range. And I just... That and Andy's like the opposite player. Yeah. That's a, that's a goofy thing. Andy's the opposite of Geloff. 260, 270 with some power and speed. And so I do think the overall package would be worth more. If you just exactly. want homers, and, uh, go with Soderstrom. One of the things you do like to, to look at as well, um, pretty low ground ball rates for Andy. He's another one of these guys. Only one time ever is he had an over 40% ground ball rate. Though, you know, like he has a higher opposite field percentage than he does pull rate this year. So, I mean, it is an all fields type of guy, which probably is equated to the lack of power last year in double a 39.8% pull rate with a 29% opposite field. And this year, 38.9 oppo 37 pull rate. So, you know, he's definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. This is a contact, no strikeout type of hitter doesn't steal a dramatic amount of bases, which kind of holds off some of the value. So it's actually very similar to very early on Francisco Mejia uh, coming back to that comp when Mejia was first coming up, hopefully mm. a better outcome is what I would hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, I threw this out here. Just one last thing was uh, fab weekend came off here and I pulled some numbers for you, not NFBC numbers, but some percentage number changes. I pulled CBS's numbers and I just want to get your take on this. Here were some of the biggest changes uh, as far as players that were picked up and see if you have any takes. Zach Geloff was like the number one player. He went from three to 24% on CBS. We also had CJ Abrams who went from 38 to 56%. Soderstrom 16 to 36. Oswalt Peraza 16 to only 8%. Those were some of the big ones. You obviously had a couple of the others. There's in here, yeah, eight sixteen to eighteen percent. Where would your, if you were ranking these guys, go? Geloff, Abram, Soderstrom, Peraza, as far as ownership. And I don't know if you were trying to acquire any of the. I think you said you missed on Geloff. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get any of those guys really. Um, C.J. Abrams uh, must have heard me talking, man. Uh, I still, I still don't like this profile, but. Uh, as uh, DVR pointed out before he went on his sojourn, he's 22 years old, and so he and he looks just such such like a kid too. If he's filling out, I mean, the barrel rate was two percent last year; it's five point seven this year. His max EV was one oh nine six. Now it's one twelve and a half. One twelve and a half is above average. So now you got a guy who's got above average max EV. And averageish uh, barrel rates. Uh, so you put that together with obvious speed. Do I, DVR? How can you do this to me? Ah, I think DVR Abrams right is fascinating. Again. I think DVR might be right again. Yeah, there's elite speed in that game. Um, if the quality of contact improves, this is one of those guys that. I mean, I think I like he can be an upper echelon fantasy player if he shows the ability to be a higher quality contact 
and you know a little bit more power and you know some signs of life and people were picking him up now almost 60 percent owned on that platform still a really so, bad chase rate for him um that you know that he's been improving of course interesting too rolling I think I can... chase rate is down to 35 percent, and it's been improving all year and i want to say he is two years younger than zach geloff he is 22 years old cj abrams is and i believe geloff is 24 he's let's see how right more contact than geloff they're a year apart. I'm sorry. Uh, Abrams is a year younger than Zach Geloff when you're looking at Not that that has anything to do with it, but it, more in the long-term outlook of C.J. Abrams, there's still a lot to be had. Um, two other quick ones on the pitching front. One of the bigger performances from the weekend, and this was actually something I, I noted looking over the last 30 days. I want to get your take on him and then one last here. Only 76% owned on CBS, which on other platforms might be lower. Kyle Bradish went seven and one third, had eight strikeouts, gave up only three hits. And this is why I brought him up. Over the last 30 days, the number one stuff plus at 132. So I was just curious at your take. Is Bradish a must-own player who borderlines at 76 on, like I said, on CBS might be more like 60% on a lot of other platforms, which means he's still out there. Yeah, I just wanted to see. Oh, he's pushed his his forcing fastball above 100. I was going to say, you know, uh, how bad is that fastball? And it's at 101. So uh, this and the is best pretty stuff exciting. Plus. Only three players in the last 30 days had a 120 or higher stuff plus. It was like Bradish, Strider, and forgive me, I'm forgetting the last one. You know, McClanahan's been hurt. I don't remember who it was, but it was Strider. And Bradish is number one, the only one with a 130 plus stuff plus over the last 30 days. Yeah, I mean, he's a, it's really exciting because he's found a way to uh, just use his, his pitches better. Um, and, uh, you know, I think... Uh, uh, I think he's I think he's figured it out. I just I, I just hesitate. This is a, one of those things where I was on the front I was the a front runner on him and I am excited about him and I don't want to just, you know, be a sad wet sack, but like uh it isn't a great fastball still, you know. And so uh I in terms of like, you know, do I like him the rest of this year? Yes. And will he be in my top 30? Probably. Uh, but is he going to be like a top 15? I don't think so. And it, next year, uh, you know, do I make him like a top 15, even if he ends up, you know, the 15th best this year or something? I don't think so. so well, if he's your top 30, he's a must own then rest of season. Oh yeah. 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 He's definitely a must okay. own. All right. Well, so we, the percentages show the last one, only 4% owned on that platform and had a great outing this weekend. Alec Marsh. 11 strikeouts, six innings, a quality start, 16 strikeouts over his last two starts. Is there something with Royals, Alec Marsh? Yeah, uh, I don't get it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a it's a good slider and a passable uh, four seam and an average uh, curveball. Uh, so uh, while his uh, stuff plus doesn't really stand out, I wouldn't say that it's terrible. Um, you know, it's, it would be one of the better ones for, uh, this, uh, Royal squad. Um, and then, you know, just looking at the, the game log, uh, one thing you can see from how he's, what he's doing is, uh, 
he's really emphasizing uh, the, the, in the last start, he emphasized the four seam against the Rays. Um, the Rays aren't a, a team that loves uh, the high fastball, maybe, other than uh, Paredes. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys there that uh, prefer it lower. Um, and so maybe that was just a, a, a gameplay thing. I, I was talking to Logan Webb once. I, he had this new, this new slider. He was really excited about it. And I was like, well, your last two games, you threw more changeups than you've thrown all year. And he said, well, that's just because uh, Milwaukee has the number one swing and miss against uh, changeups. And so it was just a game plan type thing. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, it is nice to see him uh, trust his fastball and get good results on the fastball. That probably just has something to do with the Rays and that matchup. Uh, the Rays do strike out a fair amount. Minnesota, the matchup before that, strikes out a ton. Um, so I think there's a little bit of matchup stuff here. Uh, but I think that that makes him uh, a good matchup to play in, in, in going forward, you know? Decent streamer. If you guys are looking at your your pickups here, and there's going to be a lot of other stuff that's going to be uh, materializing here soon with the trade deadline. You're going to have a lot of different open spots. Players going to move into worse. So if you're looking spot streaming, and when your trades go away in your leagues, you might want to be paying attention to guys like Alec Marsh in uh, potential streaming spots. Uh, that's going to do it for the episode. Go to theathletic.com/slash/ratesandbarrels. Sign up. Couple bucks get you locked into the account. I believe. DVR is back tomorrow. Have you heard this rumor? You know, is that true? I have seen that on the rundown. Okay. So I think that's going to be happening. A project prospect with the three of us. We'll be back together. We'll be probably breaking down the starts of uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Quinn Priester, looking at Strand and a whole bunch more. I've actually, I got a guy that I'm going to bring up tomorrow identified who completely changed his pitch mix from two starts ago to the last start, had huge results in a destination where there is a potential start available in the majors a spot open in the majors and i will present this guy to you guys tomorrow and see what you guys think so make sure you're locked in make sure you subscribe to the podcast check out the youtube and find eno at eno saris find me at is it the welsh and we will talk to you next time right here on rates and barrels goodbye friends thanks for listening